fan engagement chat the episode of the fan engagement pod where we hear about someone's approach to fan engagement this week we hear from nick hawker chair of the exeter city supporters trust we hear about how they managed to achieve top place in the fan engagement index for the second year in a row and in 2019 2020 put even more points on the board we talk about why there's more in common between man united and exeter city than some people think and how constant communication is the key to good fan engagement don't forget you can find out how your club did in the fan engagement index at fanengagement.net you can also register for free for the Fan Engagement Hub if you want access to more detailed data and case studies from the 2019-2020 Index. Enjoy the show. You got to this point. You were talking about letting people know when things aren't going great, and that sometimes, you know, that's okay to do that. Now, that's an interesting point to kick off on when we're talking about why. Because the reason I wanted to talk to you, Nick, was because yeah, again, you won the fun and get you were top of the fun engagement index. You were a good club at this. You demonstrate lots of, you know, and in the COVID season as well, there there, there appears to be no hiding for you. you. You're out there listening to people still, even though it's obviously difficult resource-wise and everything, and I'm sure the trust makes that at least, you know, you've got some additional resources, I suppose. But um, but this thing of listening when it's, when things, uh, you know, and explaining when things aren't going well, it's, an, it's not, does that come from what you are as a, as a, as a club? Because I was saying to you as well, but, you know, just because you're fan-owned, it doesn't mean you're good at listening to fans. It means that you've got an obligation to listen and then that's got to be, sort of applied across the culture you know in the cultural and leadership sense isn't it so is it is it is it a hard thing to to go out and when when you haven't been as when things aren't going as well or if there are problems that you've got to deal with within the board you know you've got issues in the board or whatever is it hard to actually go out and admit look stuff isn't easy at the moment or does it get easier and easier the more you do it i i think that the the truth is, is, is probably not to try and think of it too much as it's going well or it's going badly. It's just about this is what's happening. So it's really important to us um, that the support, it's a supporter-owned club. Therefore, the supporters should feel that, that level of ownership. That, that they should feel that they really do own their club. And the only way you can really give that to people is to give people information all, all the time so um i think we've been very open when finances have been a bit stretched when when there have been problems uh, we we've been very open about that um you always protect confidences you always protect people of course you do but as as a as chairperson has to stand up at the end of the year in front of your your members and talk to them and be questioned by them. Um, I, I really want to feel that there aren't any surprises coming. 
And so if I'm, if you're talking all the year through, so by the way, you know, December was a really bad month. January is looking a bit better. That that way you people gain confidence in what you're saying. And, and it, it there's communication is 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 a it, it's an ongoing thing. It's not about giving somebody a fact and then walking away. It's about um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, relay the pitch, and then and then we're gonna say when we're gonna relay the pitch, and then we we you know there's, there's videos of the groundsman relaying the pitch. So you keep that communication going, and if it goes wrong, people are gonna see it. If something goes wrong with laying the pitch, they they they're gonna they're gonna see it. Don't people worry too much about hiding things that are bad because often people bad stuff happens and people experience it every day in their lives so they're not going to beat you up what they'll beat you up about is if you try and disguise it and sit on it and hide it yeah because there are you know there 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 are a lot of people who i i think it's going to be a decreasing number and i think i hope the index evidence is that that um, I sort of think that 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 attitude that led to or the sort the sort of clubs. I mean, it's slightly extreme, obviously. Russell and Lewis at Exeter. You know, look it up is my advice to people listening if they they want to know a bit more about that. But you know, Andrew Hamilton at Wrexham, um, you know, Sam Hamam at, at Wimbledon, all sorts of people in different ways. Um, you know, essentially hiding what was really going on, um, and some of it. You know, there was intent sometimes with this. Some of it, quite often, I think there was a sort of accidental, I sometimes call it, and I'm not saying this applies to any of the three I've mentioned, but sometimes I, I developed a sort of theory of the accidental asset stripper. They came in with these grand ideas. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. I don't think they came in going, I'm going to asset strip you. And then eventually when they realised it cost them too much money, they went, well, I need that then to get the money back. But that that sort of ownership where it's all secret because you're up to no good. I'm not saying it's disappeared, but it's much more difficult now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but is that is that is that sort of listening? I know the answer to this, but is that sort of listening culture? I mean, your model makes you do it in one sense, but you have to want to do that, don't you? Because it is easy to hunker down. Let's you know, you you might not have a. Well, I mean, you know, without going into massive detail over the Paul Tisdale stuff, you know, that was a difficult period of time. Um, and but you seem to kind of grow through it and actually went, you know, for me, I think when I look at Exeter as a football club now, um, you, you you're kind of you look like you're filling out, if you see what I mean, that you mm-hmm. that you you knew this was always a matter of a journey rather than a, a rather than a destination, if you like. And that you went, right, we have to get that right. We have to get that right. And you built your infrastructure and you've, you're bringing, you know, whatever it is, nine players through the academy for this season, just gone. Four regulars, as you said, kind of ran out of steam. But what a thing to be producing your own players. Kids like, um, I've got his name, name now, but Ampadu, the guy who went yep. to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, so the, the bit about engagement is is a bit that sometimes gets lost as well. And you haven't lost that. And does that take a lot of work? And do you have to, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to put it in whatever way you want to, but does that kind of take a lot of reminding the club, the operational side, that, look, we've got to keep our feet on the ground and keep grounded here? Or, or is it now 
just part of the culture of, of the way you do stuff. So whoever becomes operational head of whatever it is, um, you know, whether it's Scott who does the, the media or whatever, who I know a little bit, or whether it's Justin, your chief operating officer, it's just what you do now. I think I, I think it is just just what we do. We've had to grow into it. And I think what, where you've got to be clever is to listen to everybody, because it's really easy to listen to the people who are saying nice things, listen to the people who are saying um, difficult things, but with a good heart. But, but you've also got to listen to the people who, who are being really critical and, and, and a bit grumpy. Because um, if, if, if in, in the model that we've got, everybody should be equal. So don't just pick the things that you talk about. Be prepared to talk about the bad stuff. Be prepared to have a conversation with the people who are being really critical of you. And I think if you can get over that, then communication becomes really easy. But again, it's, it's that constant storytelling. You know, if, you, if you're telling the story of your season, don't, if, if you have a bad game, say it was a bad game. If, if we made a bad decision on the board, yeah, we got that one, we got that one wrong. It's, it's not an issue when you own up to it. It's, it's when, you, when you try and hide it. But in terms of how the club and trust deal with comms, it just gets done now. I, I, every now and again, I get an email from, from uh, one of our volunteers saying, can you write a piece for the newsletter, Nick? It just, it just happens. And I, once upon a time, somebody would have to, oh, crikey, when, was, when did we send the last newsletter? I can't remember. You know, but, but, but now we've, we've got into a routine and we know when something's happening that we need to talk about because, we, because you're listening. So there's that constant hum that's, go, that's going on. And that's been really valuable during COVID because mm. you know, it's very easy to go silent. Yeah, and, well, and, and we didn't. No, and it's worth adding that during the COVID season, you actually, um, although it was um, admittedly, this is the obviously the ind the fan engagement index that's just come out in well, the last couple of months is for 2019-20. So it was only the last sort of two thirds of that season. But you managed to actually improve further from where you were in the initial index. So it's interesting that even though you were good, you've You've, I'm not suggesting quite yet that the index is that all pervasive that you've, you know, you've, you've, you've built your strategy around it or anything that would be arrogant and egotistical beyond belief. But, you know, to then improve despite the difficulties, that's quite, that's quite something, isn't it? And that's that, that um, being able to, you know, I suppose all, all that stuff about how you listen and everything it still could be a bit complicated in a in an organisation. I mean, it is complicated, can be a bit difficult anyway with a football club because, you know, because it moves so damn quick, you know, and the industry is so fast and close season isn't close season. You're just doing a different form of rushing around. Yeah. Um, but to be able to meld those two things together and make to organize you know and i know they're not anymore really i suppose i suppose they're more bound together aren't they that actually there's much less difference between exeter city football club and exeter city supporters trust what one one you know there are obviously distinct differences but actually it's not really they're they're, they're more or less operating as one which is yeah. i suppose a benefit isn't it compared to say a private owner because it's, it's less it, about the character of the owner and more about the character of the organization that owns the club 
it's it's part of the journey. That's part of the journey. That is is because it's you, you, it, we started off when it was really quite contentious, and and you know you mentioned the Paul Tisdale period where that that ended very sadly, and um, but it's part of the it's it's like a growing up process to be honest, and we feel like we've been through the teens now. We, we, we're I think we're twenty one this year, so we've been through the the tantrum era. We've been through the the awkward teens and I think we've matured now uh, as, as an organization and through governance and through structure we've got to a place where um, the club board believe that this this model of ownership is is the right way forward and the trust are supporting the club not not just financially and, and it's not very much frankly but we can rather than telling the club what to do all the time, we're supporting their decisions. And I think that's, that's something that's evolved. And it's, it's you know, credit to everybody's at, at the club that we've seen that happen. And we've talked, we've never, we've, we've never hit it. I think that you know, the members have always known when we've not been getting on. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you publish minutes. So, you know, pe people do see that, but uh, it, it, as long as you can stay respectful, it's that old thing about having a fight and then going for a coffee afterwards. In, in, you know, you have to keep that relationship ticking over. But I think we have matured and, and we are um, do work together. And, and I, I think we might not be there yet, but I would really hope that in, I don't know, two or three years time, you, you won't be able to tell where the trust starts and the club ends. That, that would be my, my desire, my aspiration. And it, 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 when you look around, um, you know, people bang on about, um, yeah, but being fan-owned, you know, it, it somehow makes it all a lot easier. Although then you'll also find people will say, <laughs> you know, somehow that it's um, there's a huge amount of negative to it. Do you um, uh, find that there are lots of neat... So when you, when you look at how you do it, let's set aside the fact that you're fan-owned... Um, and you compare yourselves to other clubs out there. Um, particularly, I think, with just the regularity you do things, you know, whether that's the trust or, you know, whether it's um, whether it's people on the, on the club board and people like Julian and doing, you know, doing all sorts of meetings and, and speaking with and listening to fans. Are there lots of clubs out there that you think just, you know, these are basic unforced errors you're making? And if you, you know, and, and as I said, there are, I don't think there are lots of, I, 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 it's harder to be up to something as an owner. I think there are lots of people who, um, you know, who who are who start with the best of intentions, and they're still there with the best of intentions very often. But you kind of look at it and go, "Why are you making these unforced errors? If you just, you know, they don't need to know what your inside leg measurement is. They just need to know that the football club is being looked after. That's what I find. You know, a lot of fans care about yeah, this. Thing of, I, don't, I, I, I don't disagree at all. I, I mean, we try what what. Every now and again, we'll be entertaining another team or, or I'll go to a away game or somebody will say to me, well, supporter ownership, how does that work? And, it, and it, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It works exactly the same. It's a business. It works exactly the same as the club you're playing. You, you, you've got to pay your bills. You've got to play your players. You've got to um, abide by corporate law, by the EFL regulations. There's really no difference. I'll tell you the mistake that I, I believe people make, and I, and I think it's, it's, it's not uh, purposeful, it's not intended to be damaging in any way, 
the minute you think you own a football club, you start, you're on a slippery slope. The minute you think you actually own the club, because you don't, it's in your care for a few years. And that's very much how we look at it. It, it, it belongs to the, it's a bit like the village hall or village pub or the, you know, the, 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 the town hall. You know, it's, it's, it's embedded in the community and it, that's who owns it. That the people who come every week, day in, we were talking this afternoon, you know, I guess every club is worried about what's the start of the season going to be like after COVID. What are the gates going to be like? And we said, you know what, we, we've got this hardcore of supporters who will come in the wind, in the rain, in the snow, in the sleet. They're the people who own the club. Not, you, you, you know, you know I, I don't know, it, it's not about how many shares you've got. It's about how many supporters you've got, to be honest. How many hearts and minds you've got. I think the minute you start thinking that you own the football club, you start communicating and operating in a way that you personally do. you're not thinking about the supporters you're telling them stuff mm. but you're not thinking about what they what they want to know <laughs> and there is that, that um that that's that frustration that starts to creep in then and it's it is it, it, stop thinking of it as your own Hi, I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about Match Day Digital, the world's first football-first digital magazine platform bringing together premium paid content from clubs, Match Day programmes, popular football magazines, newspapers and high-quality fan-produced fanzines. It's quite the list. Uh, Match Day Digital brings football content and supporters together in a single app which allows clubs and other publishers to deliver their content to a much wider audience than they would through their own print or digital sites and apps, all especially relevant, obviously, during this COVID era. You can download the app on Google Play and Apple Store. Go to matchdaydigital.co.uk for more. And if you're a club, drop the fellas over there a line. They're really friendly, and I'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs. Here's an interesting question. You know, top of the fun engagement index two years in a row. Um, you know, clearly very good at, at getting out there and listening to fans and making sure. Also, I think, you know, your business, the business um, itself, as we've been talking about, you know, you've been operating it really well um, and been building something that's going to last. But do you think there are, there are some people who are out there who think, yeah, yeah, that's all very well and good. But really, look, uh, those clubs in the Premier League, nothing like Exeter City. You know, they, they're global organisations, global brands. Um, you know, they can't really learn anything from Exeter. It's a, you know, small, sleepy part of the southwest. And, yeah, well done on them. Pat, you know, perhaps patting you on the head a little bit. But so, so is there, are there things you could teach? You know, let, let's just, I'm not picking on Edward Wood and Man United, but I'm going to pick on Edward Wood and Man United just to try and illustrate the point. Mm-hmm. Do you, do, you, do you think there are things that you could teach them about what you do as a, as a, as a general principle? Um, the, the, I'm going to add that I'm slightly, yeah. I'm going to add very quickly that I get sick and tired of people talking about Exeter and Man United as though one plays football and the other one plays Moonball or something. I don't know what they think the two do, but they're both football clubs. So that, that's my sort of perspective. Well, I think, I, I think you've answered the, the, the question. What, what, what I was going to say is, I don't, when the big teams 
um, are selling fo their football shirts. You know, if Manchester shirts are on sale in Rome or in wherever in, throughout the world, if that's your target, if that's what you perceive your business to be, then you know, who, who am I to criticize? But if you look at um, you, you mentioned Manchester United, and I think I think they were born out of a, um, out, a out of working man's club, a railway club, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And Exeter City was born out of a very similar kind of pattern, very working class, very uh, health and well-being in in the early 1900s. So when we started life, we were the same animal, but we've evolved differently, and. Somewhere along the line, the commercialization of the shirt, um, the brand, it's just gone out of hand. And it's become more important than what happens for 90 minutes on the, on, on the pitch, on, on match day. It, it's not any to the supporters. It's, it's, it's always the 90 minutes. And there is no difference between Exeter City and Manchester United, there is no difference. And you, you know, you go for a pint with, if, you know, if you're playing them, you go for a pint with the Manchester United supporter and you talk about the game. And the fact that they're up here and we're, and we're a lot further down just doesn't matter. But it's, it's when you take the focus away from football and, and when you're, and, and this is the really sad thing is, I think is that with the bigger clubs, their dependency on that globalization is, is what kills it and what puts the prices up the home games so that the people who started the club, you know, the, the railway workers, and if, if that's what it was, who started the club and, and who started going and watching games, they've kind of been, um, I won't say brushed aside, but they've, they've lost sight of that a little bit. Hmm. And so, so, so you, you, you kind of, lose, you, well, no, I was going to say, you sort of, lose some roots it's not about I suppose the Pats problem is is that um I think there's probably among you know and that the, the European Super League stuff there was undoubtedly an air of and, and it isn't wasn't just the six it was the 12 or whatever involved across Europe you know perhaps overinflated sense of self of importance in some a desire not to be left behind in others and then in the end I suppose this is the point I'm getting getting at is um even setting aside how you were founded in the end, and this is where engagement really matters in the in the real qualitative sense when you, you know, the, the listening relationships you've got, and I bang on about listening all the time, but that's what it's really, really for me is what it's about, is um, is that you, yeah, you you can have, you know, you've got this little following in, you know, in Brazil for crying out loud because, mm. <laughs> because of the relationship <laughs> you had. That's madness. Those are the great things about football. However, you know that week to week to week, the ones who turn out are the ones who literally go to the games and, you know, maybe fork out for a, a season ticket and barely get to any matches, but they do it because it's important. Yeah. And we all know that those people exist at Man United as much as they do at Exeter. I think if you, I think what you seem to have got is if you look after those people, then you can do all the other stuff. All that stuff can be, you can go on a tour to Brazil yeah, yeah, brilliant. But if you base your entire strategy around, if you then went, right, 
okay, cook, you know, we're going to go out now and we're going to tour the world. We're going to do a tour in every continent every year, which I could imagine happening from some clubs in that position. Yeah. Then you start to lose sight of what you're really, you know, what, what makes you so exciting as an English football club is this, this, this mania we all have for going to matches and the, 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 you know, the, the, the real or perceived environment of being a fan in England and the special nature of yeah. the club itself, isn't it? And that's, the bit I think we're both getting at, isn't it? And the bit that you see... I think, I think it is. And one, one of the, I mean, you mentioned the European Super League and it, one of the things that struck me, I mean, it didn't even feel like the players or, or the management or even some of the club boards knew what was happening. It was just the owners. And it comes back to that point of the minute you think you're on the club, you're on the slippery slope, you know, because the players are fans. You know, they'll go and watch football matches when... We, we had a five-a-side competition um, at the end of the last full season for, for some of our corporates. And Matt Taylor turned up to watch the games. They're, they're mad about football. They're fans as, as well as players and as well as managers. So just don't, don't cast them aside because they're, they're, your, they're your lifeblood. And it, it's... I could, I could, that was the one thing that I never got about the Super League was, was that it seemed to come as a surprise. And you've got the Liverpool players and the, and the manager criticising their own board for doing what they've done. I mean, that's shocking. Can you imagine that happening in, in industry? It's, it's just shocking. And, and that, you know, that they didn't know. Why? I can't... Well, they're, 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 again, I think what we... What we um... What, you're, what we're getting at here is that that you have to want to hear what you're being told and that there are undoubtedly people who run and own football clubs who have a view that um, whatever they regard as the key strategic decisions and relationships are for them to decide. And that I think that's disappearing now because of that uh, crystallising people's um disconnection with the game and that the people and that, that they weren't prepared to continue to be disconnected and they said yeah. this far and no further and then so so what it's done is is it's is it's you know you look at all several of those clubs that were involved i don't know about what's going on in the rest with the, with the other european clubs but certainly domestically several of those clubs are now looking at much more integrated structures with fans and so that's a kind of it's kind of caught up with where you went years ago, albeit that you're a fan-owned club and it's a slightly different thing. But the idea that actually your decision making is better when you listen. And is that that is yeah. is that the sort of in the end, I suppose, is that the lesson of of everything you've done? Is that actually because you've incorporated, you know, the 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 listening and engagement into everything you do you're actually making better decisions as a result. And it might mean a little bit, it gets a bit hairy sometimes or sad and disappointing when your manager has to, you know, leaves and it wasn't the way you wanted it to be. But it is, it is down to that in the end, isn't it? That you've... That, that... I think, yeah, we, we... So probably like every other club in the country, we, we've written to, to Tracy Crouch and we've said, Tracy, we had our fan-led review 20 years ago. This is what we decided guess what, we're 21 now and we're still here. We, we've, we, we've got a, a, an academy that, that a, a other teams would kill for. Be and we went through some pain during that. And hats off, you mentioned Julian earlier. Julian, I fought tooth and nail 
to keep that academy open because it would have been so easy to drop it, particularly when you, you, you're in the Conference League or the, what was then the Conference League. For Tooth and Now, the trust got behind the academy to know we must keep it. And we've had to be patient. But we get, I, I, I don't know if he's playing tonight, but Ollie Watkins made his debut for England and scored. I think it was against San Marino, was it? But we felt as proud about that as when he scored the winning goal against Plymouth Argyle. Because it's such, it, it's a testament to everything that we, we've put our hearts into. So we don't make, we don't, Exeter City are never going to play, pay a dividend, I'll tell you that. But it, 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 it's about, it's, it is about the fans, you know, bringing, bringing the kids through who, who come and watch us on the terraces and then they join the academy and they come through and we give those, those players a pathway yeah, they're not going to be forgotten about. You stay with us. If you're good enough, you're in the first team. We haven't got such a big squad that they're going to disappear in the numbers. If you move on, we don't hold people back. Um, and the, the supporters, the fans really buy that, I think. They buy the fact that we're a good club that does things in the right way. But you under, and you, this is the, the key... I think is it's the same thing that Norwich kind of I think what it's the same kind of thing that Norwich do. So if we talk about you know, what's a good culture of fanning a culture of good fan engagement, you know, of good relationships and good listening is is people understand, even if they don't agree sometimes, but people understand the direction you're going and they understand the strategy. It's not even about here's here's the grand strategy, we're gonna take you through it all. It's this is what we're aiming at, this is why we're doing it this is why it matters and this is why we want you to to buy into it and if you do that you've got the benefit of having you know having the reinforcing being able to reinforce it with fan ownership but it can be done with damn good leadership you you know that that that's really the secret in the end for me is that is that you yeah you know you 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 people know that and they don't just know it's safe in the hands of the people in charge because the people in charge say it's safe in our hands. They say, look, it's safe in our hands because X, Y, and Z, and this is what we're doing. Yeah. And they see the results, don't they? So Absolutely. And it's, it's yeah. constantly telling that story, constantly saying, we've, we've got these players coming through. We, it, at some point, you had to make a decision about the academy players and you know that it's, it, it, it has the potential to hurt the team for 12 months. But you'll take that. You'll take that because it's important that not, not, not for, the, for those players' development. And always from, the thing that I always enjoy telling people is don't forget, you, you, yes, yes, our name is Exeter City, but you're actually representing the city of Exeter. It's not, it's not something that to be flippant about. So we want... Um, the nicest thing I, I, I was I had a meal with one of the Brentford directors um, about twelve months after Ollie Watkins signed at Brentford, and I, was, and I said, "How's Ollie going? How's he doing?" And he said, "What a lovely young man he is! Not what a great footballer he is! Not what a, he's scoring goals for fun, but what a lovely young man he is!" And and I there's something about. Um, how we develop players, how we allow the club to evolve, that 
people think nice things about us. I, gen, I genuinely think that it sounds very arrogant to say that, but I think we're a, I, I think we're a genuinely good club and we do things in the right way. The supporters recognise that because we treat them properly as well. We treat the players properly. Um, people forget you were in Exeter, but England stops at Bristol for lots of people. But it, it goes on for a bit longer. And when players come to play for Exeter, it's it's not it's not in the in the thick of it. It's not the Midlands or or, or the North or London where there are loads and loads of teams. So you get a young man who, who comes down to play for Exeter City. Um, it's a completely different environment. It's the countryside. It's 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 you know small. It's quaint. It's historic. It's all. It's not London. You know there ain't the nightclubs and, and all of that. So you've got to look after those players. You've got to make sure that they're feeling at home. Make sure that their partners are good. Make sure that the the, the children get to good schools or, or, or whatever. So that sense of family, and we call it the Grecian family, um, it, that has to pervade everything you do. Part of that, if, you, you know, if you've got a fam family yourself, you know you've got to keep talking to your, to your sons and your daughters and your wives because otherwise it all starts to, to, to go a bit weird. So I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's part of our DNA to be good communicators and to look after people through communicating with them well.